Before we get started with today's show, I want to tell you guys about betonline.ag. Football season is right around the corner, and Bet Online has you covered with all of the college and pro odds, contests, parlays, and wagers. Use our promo code BLEAVE50, that's B L E A V 50, to receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet Online, where the game starts. afternoon or good night however and whenever it is you may be listening thank you for stopping into another fantabulous episode of the take it easy podcast Live on the Believe Podcast Network, except it isn't live because it is a podcast. Welcome, 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 everybody. It is August 24th, according to my count. It may not be that according to your count, but we appreciate you stopping in. However, and whenever it is, you may be listening we have got a fantabulous show coming at you here today. We've got Morgan from Australia joining us once again on this here fine programming. We love when Morgan comes on the show. I love talking to Morgan, a very, very good friend, not just friend of the show, friend in general. And I appreciate every single time I get to talk to Morgan. We had a fun conversation. We'll talk about it a little bit here today. It's a fun Wednesday. It's August. We're going to talk about airplanes. Hope you like airplane talk and not the Jerry Simon. Seinfeld kind. All right, we've got a good show coming at you today, but first we have to talk about Kevin Durant. I am obligated to talk about how wrong I was about Kevin Durant, but fortunately this is a podcast, so I don't get to be as wrong about Kevin Durant as everyone who was doing like live radio was at about 8 o'clock West Coast time this morning when the news came in that Kevin Durant and the Brooklyn Nets were all good now and he's not going to be leaving Brooklyn, which I guess means that we made our our 10-minute <laughs> poorly produced Last Dance Brooklyn Nets theme song, which was just, you know, changing a couple things very poorly about the Green Bay Packers Last Dance song. I guess we made all that for nothing, but we did get about five podcast segments out of talking about Kevin Durant, which is totally fine. I'm okay with that. He did demand a trade. And, you know, I, this story actually did it twice to me. There were two times in this story where um, I, I broke my rule of don't do the daily headlines because they will age poorly. And this got me because we recorded a Tuesday podcast where by the time like 50% of the people were listening to it and probably more based on who listens after the fact, by the time like 50% of people were listening to that episode, we already had the news that Kyrie Irving and or that Kevin Durant was 
uh, planning to go back to Brooklyn and, and rescind his trade request. And then back in June, when the story was first going down and there was talks about, hey, Kyrie was going to go to the Lakers and the deal was basically done, but it turned out Kyrie was like pranking the media this whole time and being a dick about it. Which, you know, some people feel like it was a dick because they got fooled, but, you know, whatever, the point still stands. I messed up because I did a podcast that aged poorly, like, three hours after I recorded it and had to, like, put in the show notes, hey, we recorded this before it was turned out that Kyrie was not going to get traded. So, twice I got fooled by this story of, like, recording a podcast ahead of time or I guess recording a podcast that had the possibility of aging poorly, which is one of the rules that I do when making content. Don't record a podcast that can age poorly, and we got bamboozled by that on Tuesday, and it means that this uh, Last Dance theme song that we made will uh, go to waste, except for the two months that we actually got to use it for. So I guess it won't go to total waste, it just means that uh, it didn't actually result in a Last Dance type of trade. Kyrie Irving is so disgruntled with Green the Brooklyn Nets that he has told some within the organization that he does not want to return to the team. And so we have a standoff here that nobody knows exactly where it's going. He is not making this about money. He wants out of there and he's telling you there is no amount of money. We want him back in the worst way. I know he knows that. And, um, you know, we'll, we'll continue to work at it. The situation between the the Brooklyn Nets and Kevin Durant is not good as far as this weekend, as far as training camp. We will see. There's been one message consistently coming out of America. Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant. There's camp, and and that's I don't want to be here. So most people got the Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving story wrong and the Kevin Durant trade request was wrong because nobody got the inclination that Kevin Durant was going to rescind his trade request on Monday. But we got the story on Monday about the Memphis Grizzlies calling and no one was really moving on a Kevin Durant trade and it was two months later and nothing was really happening. And everyone got fooled all at once with Kevin Durant based on the information they had available. So... I don't feel bad about getting fooled. I just feel bad about breaking the rule of something that could possibly age poorly being recorded on yesterday's podcast. Um, but everyone got fooled by the Kevin Durant situation. He got he rescinded his trade request. Brooklyn's going to run it back with the team that they have. It can't possibly go worse than last year because Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving, and Ben Simmons combined played like 80 total basketball games last year, which is like one-third of the possible games that they could have played during the season. So, you know, could be a lot worse for Brooklyn. They'll probably end up being fine after all is said and done. And I think the reason that we got fooled and we're doing all this analysis on Kevin Durant is because the whole trade request situation was built on a faulty premise. It was built on the premise of Kevin Durant was willing to make this ugly to get out of Brooklyn with four years left on his contract. Because if Kevin Durant wasn't willing to make it ugly and willing to hold out for a long period of time, what was the point of requesting a trade in the first place? And I guess the, the request in the first place would be Miami overpays to acquire him. He gets to go play with Jimmy Butler, et cetera, et cetera. It all works out in the end. And the fact that Kevin Durant wasn't willing to make it ugly was something that I wasn't prepared for because... 
that was an inevitability of a trade in the first place. Now, Kyrie Irving still and, and Kevin Durant still get all the power in Brooklyn. They still run the organization. Uh, this, you know, call it a foot down moment for Brooklyn, who's not necessarily the most well run organization from top to bottom. There was obviously the report that's like Joe Sy would rather like cut Kyrie Irving than bring him back because he doesn't want the embarrassment of what happened last season to happen to him again. And it's just all very silly following that conversation. And again, it was built on the faulty premise of, well, of course, Kevin Durant has seen how this has gone before. He's going to be willing to make it ugly. He's going to hold out into games. He's going to decline trade offers from teams he doesn't want to play for with uh, what I like to call the fuck around and find out clause, which is not a no trade clause, but it's about as good as a no trade clause, which is don't trade for me. I don't want to play for you. What if we trade for you anyways? Fuck around and find out how that goes for you. And Kevin Durant had that clause in his contract. And at a certain point, he just said, you know what? We're good. Uh, There's not a better basketball option for me than playing with the Brooklyn Nets. And I guess that was ultimately like better basketball options not out there, plus choosing to still have the power within the organization. It was just interesting because, again, like I said, it was built on the faulty premise of hey, of course we assume in order to get a trade in the NBA with three, four years left on a contract, which by nature, those contracts do skew to the power of management. If this were Joe Harris trying to request a trade, probably not going to work out. Eric Gordon is still wasting away with the Houston Rockets. Maybe Eric Gordon's not on Houston anymore, but for the last three seasons, Eric Gordon's been wasting away on the Houston Rockets, even though they've had the worst record in all of the NBA. And... Uh, actually, Eric Gordon is still a Houston Rocket. Holy shit. I can't believe Eric Gordon still plays for the Houston Rockets. That's that's genuinely insane to me. I can't believe it's been three years wasted away in Houston. He still plays for Houston. Um, but like Eric Gordon could have requested a trade after 2020 or 2019 and he would not have been able to get out of Houston. Just it would not have been possible for Eric Gordon to force his way out of Houston. And so this is like where the player has a certain level of leverage because of how the NBA max contract is structured and all this stuff about collective bargaining and yada, yada, yada. And Kevin Durant could have gotten out of there, but you have to be willing to burn the bridges along the way, make it ugly and have court of public opinion, which again, public opinion in sports leans pro management a lot. And I think that some aspects are fair. Most aspects are unfair for the, the way that people vilify labor while not holding the same level of anger towards management. Also, management is just immune to some of that power without, you know, redacting money at a certain point. And so I think that the the Brooklyn Nets find themselves in an interesting position where they had a, a point of strength in Kevin Durant. Again, of course, you don't make this trade request if you aren't willing to make it ugly. And ultimately, Kevin Durant wasn't willing to make it ugly, which is totally fine. It's not like, oh gosh, you're a coward or you're soft or whoever else was going after Kevin Durant on Instagram or on Twitter uh, or just people in, with a with a platform in media were going after Kevin Durant. I'm sure a lot of people, like the easy stance is vilify the athlete with bad behavior, like stand behind management and fans lean pro management. Therefore, if you take the easy stance of blame Kevin Durant, uh, you're going to 
you're going to curry favor with a larger percentage of sports fans than you would by taking the side of labor. Being pro-management is a winning position among sports fans. Even still, even if it's less of a winning position than it used to be, it's still a position of strength for people to take the side of pro management. The easy thing is to is to crap on Kevin Durant after all of this. It's totally fine that Kevin Durant was backing down. It just means that he's going to play with the Brooklyn Nets. Totally fine with Kevin Durant. Don't think any more. Don't think any less of him for trying to improve his situation. It's just all of our analysis for the last two months was incorrect. Not at the time, but incorrect now. Um, just because the information we had changed. We were talking about all of the Venn diagram of teams and talking about Kevin Durant trades and the fact that I said, if Kevin Durant wants to leave, Kevin Durant can leave. That was built on the premise of Kevin Durant was, of course, willing to make this ugly the way that James Harden did, the way Kawhi Leonard did, the way that uh, Ben Simmons did for the 76ers, but the 76ers ultimately got a better trade package available and all of that stuff. Like, that worked out. In the grand scheme of things, it worked out for the the Brooklyn Nets in this case, and it worked out for Kevin Durant presumably because he's rescinding his trade request. Um, it was just built on the premise of, of course, Kevin Durant is willing to make it ugly, and uh, that was not correct in hindsight. As of, you know, August 22nd when he met in Los Angeles with the, the Brooklyn Nets, changed his mind, and that's totally cool. Just means that the analysis we did for two months... Uh, was now incorrect. It was correct at the time, it's incorrect now because it was built on the premise of in order to demand a trade, you have to be willing to burn bridges within the place that you are unless it's an amicable parting of ways, which the Kevin Durant Brooklyn Nets situation was very much not an amicable parting of ways. So, of course, in order to still get out of Brooklyn, you'd be have to willing to make it ugly, and uh, that was not the place Kevin Durant was going to take it totally okay. Just means that the analysis of the last two months is now incorrect. It was correct at the time, it's now incorrect, and we have the podcast for the rest of time, Aging Poorly, of me talking about Kevin Durant's different trade options and circling the wagon, and I have no no idea how long it was going to take, but ultimately Kevin Durant would get traded as long as he was willing to sit out, bash the Brooklyn Nets a little bit publicly or with leaks, confirmed that he wanted to go somewhere else. As long as you're willing to make it ugly, he had the level of power and leverage to get away with that, and uh, that ultimately wasn't what he wanted. And that's okay. Just means that we get to have podcasts that have now aged poorly, which is the thing I try to avoid on this show, but is also inevitable because change is inevitable. So let us move along here on the show to our friend Morgan from Australia, joining us here on a fine, fine Wednesday. Very excited to talk with Morgan again. Let's roll along to Morgan from Australia. Kyrie Irving is so disgruntled with Green the Brooklyn Nets that he has told some within the organization that he does not want to return to the team. And so we have a standoff here that nobody knows exactly where it's going. He is not making this about money. He wants out of there, and he's telling you there is no amount of money. We want him back in the worst way. I know he knows that, and, um, you know, we'll, we'll continue to work at it. The situation between... The Brooklyn Nets and Kevin Durant... 
is not good. As far as this weekend, as far as training camp, we will see. There's been one message consistently coming out of Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant. Camp. And, and that's, I don't want to be here. Hello. 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 I was really worried that wasn't going to be able to work then, but phew. No, it did. You're good. Am I? <laughs> oh, well, that's a different question. That's a different question. We can we can go back to the therapy bench here if uh if that's what you so choose. No, no, no. We're good. Just got to get me phone fixed now. <laughs> Well, that'll be okay, I guess. You know, it's it'll just... be fine. I want that. I think I've got Apple Care. I think. You what? I think I have Apple Care to get my screen fixed or whatever. Okay, I I think that's how that works. I've never had to get my phone fixed, so I'm what okay do you mean? with that. My phone's been been working like a charm since I've had it four years ago. I've never needed an Apple Care or anything like that. You've, I haven't never had to... bro- You've never broken your phone. I've never broken a phone or lost a phone. You're insane. How am I insane? I mean, obviously the screen protector's a little bit cracked, but like the phone itself has always been fine. No. The whole back of my phone's completely smashed. If I took the cover off, it'd probably just disintegrate. <laughs> the front of it is cracked. <laughs> The front of it's cracked down the bottom, and now the top of it is completely blurry. I'm not sure if Apple Care can fix that. No, they'll just replace it as soon as the because the glass is back now. As soon as that's like broken, I think they just have to replace it. You're gonna mangle your hands trying to take the back case off. No, I'll just take it in there with the case on and not touch it until they're there, so that they have to deal with it they're gonna pull the case off and it's gonna just spontaneously combust well, that's okay because by that point in- yeah by that point like i have to pay a little bit for it i think but not that much it won't be awful i don't know i feel like phone technology has kind of just stayed uh, a little bit stagnant for the last few years so i'm sure it'll be fine as long as you don't upgrade to the bougie iPhones or whatever they have now that are twelve hundred bucks a piece because Apple's changed they, their business model around phones. Yeah, but they're not twelve hundred bucks here. Are they they're less than that? They're, no, they're they're like two thousand here. Oh, uh, do we have to do the conversion rate again? Let's see. Mm. Uh, Australian to U.S. dollars. Hang on. Let's okay. I'm, so, I'm, on the, I'm on the Apple Store app. So let me just find out what an uh whatever iPhone 13 Pro is. It's twelve hundred oh. bucks in the US. Mm. Pro Max is eighteen forty eight. Eighteen forty eight. Let's see. Eighteen forty eight is twelve hundred and eighty US dollars. So a little bit more expensive. Mm-hmm. I would have thought it was more, so that's okay, I guess. Um, but whatever. Yeah, that's okay. So, like, I don't, my phone's not even close to the newest model. 
old is she? Neither's mine. Mine's, I think, a seven plus. Oh, Jesus. I'm not fucking Greg Cardi. I'm not that old. What? Seven's not that old. It is. It's very old. It's it's from, what, 2015? That's not terrible. Probably still has a button. It does have a button. And it has an on and off button. Okay. Well, no. Mine's an... Hang on. What is mine? And... XS Max, I think. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. So you don't have a home button. You just swipe it like that. Mm-hmm. So wait, now having a home button makes you like an archaic dinosaur? Of course it does. What? All right, but, oh, but the trading value is $330. So at least I'd get that off if I off a new phone if I was to do that. But I could probably sell it for more. I don't know. Maybe. $1,000 phone. Maybe. Wherever could you get $1,000? Who knows, Kyle? Wherever could I spend $1,000 in five seconds just trying to fix my life? Like fixing my phone. Yeah. (laughs) Speaking of fixing your life, Kevin Durant. How about that transition? (laughs) What? Good it does. Kevin Durant what? Oh, do, do, you're in the future, I thought. Don't you already know the news? No, uh, Kyle. You don't? No, tell you, me. You, oh, my gosh. Oh, this is wonderful. I get to break tell news me, to my, you today. My phone's not working. Tell me. I get to break news to you today? Oh, my gosh. That's fantastic. Uh, let me let me just look for something real quick while I, while I filibuster. Um, where oh, is... I uh, found it. Damn you damn spot uh all right uh here's the uh, prepared statement from the brooklyn nets today uh from from uh, sean marks coach steve nash and i together with governors joe Tsai and clara Wu Tsai, met with kevin durant and rich Kleiman in los angeles yesterday we have agreed to move forward with our partnership we are focusing on basketball with one collective goal in mind build a lasting franchise to bring a championship to brooklyn courtesy of the brooklyn nets and the boardroom uh, in a joint statement, they have announced that Kevin Durant is uh, no longer requesting a trade and will return to the Brooklyn Nets with Kyrie Irving. Hmm. Okay. That's interesting. I don't I, hate. I don't hate that. I did that that thing that I try to avoid whenever I make podcasts, which is talking about the day's news because yesterday I recorded a podcast about Durant that is just aged like uh, moldy cheese at this point Um, Mm -hmm. because literally as I was recording they were meeting in Los Angeles to uh, rescind his his trade request Uh, it's kind of funny how that one worked out Mm. oh that's that yeah that's interesting okay cool no I don't hate that Okay. That's it? Okay, cool. Don't hate it. Nothing happened. No, Marcus Smart is still a Celtic. (laughs) (laughs) And Al Horford. And Jalen Brown. And that makes me pleased. Yeah, but you would have been okay without Jalen Brown. Marcus Smart, that's Mm -hmm. crossing the line. That's right. Yeah. I I like Jalen Brown. Yeah, whatever. I'm fine with that. That's okay. That's okay. It's over. Very fine. Yeah. Well, is it over? Like, I don't think it's over. It's over for now. 
It's a. It seems over. Kevin Durant's fighting people on Twitter again about how he's he's cool with the Brooklyn Nets. So I think we're. He was good. Cool, we're good. cool with Josiah the whole time, apparently. Yeah, right. I think so. He just wanted to get out of there. Yeah, that's fine. You can have different. As soon as Memphis called, he's like, "Nah, you know what? I'm good." Yeah, the only place he was going to get to was somewhere he didn't want to be. So. The way, the best of better of two evils, maybe. Maybe. Mm-hmm. Did you end up watching that video I sent you? That was funny. No, you would not. Yes, yes. Yeah. It was the. Uh, it wasn't the one that you just sent. It was the one you sent last week. <laughs> I'm trying to remember what it was now. Uh, yeah. What was it? It was Pat McAfee. Oh, uh, Pat McAfee and uh, Australian rules football. Yeah. Oh. Because yeah. I told you about the goal that happened after the siren and that sort of thing. And, and it, it made Pat it on Pat McAfee for a, yeah, a three-minute segment. Pat McAfee is a Collingwood supporter because we have the American. And during the pandemic, he found Australian North football. And we, being who we are, decided he had to follow us, so hounded him until he did. You did personally? No, no, like out my club, <laughs> and and he's oh. like, we have like, we've got the only American that was out in. Let's treat. All right, so now you've we got sent, Pat McAfee yeah, as a supporter. That's right. We sent him merch. He he's worn it a couple of times. <laughs> so you're basically anyway. like a minor league baseball team, just trying to solicit the uh, the fandom no, of. No, this is what happens. Like Jamal Murray's been at football games for the last two weeks and jamal murray was at our game last weekend wait are you talking about denver nuggets jamal murray yep (laughs) what a random shout out what a random shout he must like it because he's been there two weeks in a row um and a few weeks before that somebody else was there somebody i think it was damien lillard um was at the football that that is cooler than Jamal Murray. Yeah, but he's been there twice now. So like he was like kicking the ball on the ground before the game. Um so as soon as like a famous person comes here from another country, everyone tries to like get them to be a supporter of their oh team. So like gosh. one time we got Rob Lowe <laughs> in like after the game, if you win, the players go into the rooms and they sing the song in a circle. And we somehow, which this never happens, nobody other than the players gets in the circle. Rob Lowe was in the circle singing the song. It was so weird. <laughs> Who's next? Danilo Gallinari. Uh, uh, what? Look at these incredible shout-outs of Jamal Murray and Rob Lowe are showing up mm. to support Collingwood. Uh, Joe Biden's been to see Collingwood. Oh, okay, that one. That's pretty cool. If you get the president, well, I'm sure he wasn't the president at the time, but you get the president. A, to come no, he see. wasn't. I've got a picture of the Rock in a Collingwood jumper. <laughs> The like the rock, like Dwayne the Rock. Yeah, the rock. The, yep, yep, yep. Wow, he was here, and like he's. I don't know why I asked that. What other rock could it have jumper? possibly been? And yeah, no, um, the Rock of Love. Um. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, so we had that epic win that I told you about previously. Well, this was the last game of the season. Was on Sunday, before finals, and my team. If we won the game, we'd finish in the top four, which gives you a double chance. 
um, so which obviously good, um, and guarantees you a home final, which is obviously good. Um, and if you finish outside of the top four, uh, it's harder to win. Um, anyway, so we're playing our most hated of rivals. Hated, hated, hated. If they had won, they would have made the finals. But if they lost, they were out. And they've been in the top eight, which is all the top eight teams make the finals. They've been in the top eight every week for the whole season. And in the last minute, we got in front and beat them and kicked them out of the finals. And it was epic. And there was people crying and I was laughing hysterically. That sounds fighters. wonderful. Because I despise them, like despise these people. They are the worst of the worst. And they were crying and it was beautiful. That is beautiful. I was little, screaming and jumping up and down and oh, it was just epic. Little sociopathic and beautiful at the same time. Like they were the first, they us and them played the first game against each other 150 years ago. They're our most hated of rivals, our oldest of rivals, and we hate each other with a passion. And f- for us to do that to them th- on the weekend was just fucking brilliant. <laughs> so good. You you uh, you really are the uh, the Boston Red Sox of Australian rules football. <laughs> I think so. Seems to be seems to be destiny. At least the as by the way that I'm reading this, it seems to be some form of destiny. That's pretty cool. Yeah, and there were eighty eight thousand people at the game on Sunday, and I think that. Is that was the record for her the, for attendance for the season? But I think like the top five games have all been Collingwood games. Damn. Yep. That's pretty cool. That's got some college football vibes behind it for sure. People crying and laughing and hugging and eighty-eight thousand people and bitter rivalries that go back one hundred fifty years. Pretty mm. cool. Yeah. It's and there's one American, just like the one Australian on every college football team. Yeah, there used to be before we before this American, we had another American, but he wasn't very good and didn't really. I don't know if he even played one senior game. And then another team had one on a rookie list, and we got this one. But he's the only one that's actually like worked out and been a viable footballer. And people still like. Give him a heap of shit and like, and say that he's not good, but he has been successful as a footballer. Mm-hmm. I know what you mean. So this means you guys did get the double chance, but yeah. So you- we'll play first place fourth. So we finished fourth. We'll play the top team um, in two weeks, which is fine at our home ground and not their home ground because. <laughs> um. Well, our home ground is the Melbourne Cricket Ground, which is the one that holds 100,000 people. Mm-hmm. And their home ground is in like a regional town in Geelong, in Victoria, the state we live in. And they have their own little home ground up there. But no one else has that, has their own like private little ground like they do. But because it doesn't hold enough people, the league refused to like make us play there because we have too many supporters. So we never have to go down there. And so they're all cracking the shits already because, like, it's supposed to be their home game, but it's at our ground. Blah, blah, blah. Uh, 
Okay, so their reward for being the number one seed is that they have to play on the road just because your team is too small. My our team's too big, and their ground's too small. That is uh, a dick move. That if they did that in other sports leagues, there would be some uh, there would be some complaining to be had because yeah, but they haven't they have an advantage that no one else has, and they have their own boutique stadium that the government paid for, and no one else has that advantage during the season. Ah, okay. So the government paid for their boutique stadium, just like America. America's the flip side. Most of them are funded by your government, and very few of them are mm-hmm. funded privately. Yeah, but I guess no one really owns the teams. The league owns the team, so it's not really their fault. But God, it's their you guys fault are doing they have so well. We've league. talked about this before. It's so good. You have it so good. Anyway, so that American, he's played 91 games. That's pretty epic. Like most, I think most careers don't go that long. For like the average footballer, yeah. To make it how to a, games, to make it to yeah. a to make it to a hundred games is pretty impressive. How many do they play in a season? Like twenty. Twenty-two. Twenty-two. Yeah, mm-hmm. it does seem quite difficult. Yeah, but like the games record holder is like four hundred games or something. Four hundred twenty something, maybe around that. Four hundred something. That games. makes sense. It's like a twenty-year career, and that's you know. Mm-hmm average career of some of these other teams yeah, but, but it's a pretty sure sport. only like only like four players have played over 400 games i mean it's a truly brutal football as a whole is a brutal sport yeah <laughs> that makes sense that you'd be hanging around the record around 400 i'm sure the nfl is probably in a similar maybe not quite 400 but pretty close to 400 as the record so i get it You've got the one yeah, American who's had an above average. We, we need to get him to 100 games because 100 games um, ensures that any of your children that you have can play for your, like, will have your the rights to your children will go to your club. What? So we have, it's, it's called like the, <laughs> it's like the, it's like the, it's called the father son rule. But now that we have women's football, like father daughters as well. That's a but, real thing that exists. That seems yeah, insane. So it, but it's the best thing about our sport because it keeps like lineage and family tradition at clubs. So, like my team currently now has five or six sons of fathers who used to play for my club, or maybe okay. even more than that. So, uh, one of our greatest players, Peter Dacos, two of his sons play. Gavin Brown's play, two of his, Darcy Moore, Will Kelly. Yeah, six out of a list of like 40-something, their fathers played for Collingwood. And so Collingwood, if you've played over 100 games for Collingwood, your children, when they come up to be drafted, Collingwood can draft them under a father-son rule so that they have first rights to them. So it it keeps the history of a club together. I like the history aspect of it. It just seems so strange that you're like mm-hmm. buying the rights to the children of yeah. these players. Yeah. But and but they they can I think they don't ha- they don't have to I mean they have uh, yeah. yeah I think they can, like the like, team owns or, the rights. Or if, to them. or if or if a player plays for two different clubs, they can choose which club they like plays a hundred games for two different clubs, they the child can choose which one they want to go to. Yeah, like some of like one of our best players, Darcy Moore. His dad was one of our was 
like won the MVP award one year. Um, and these we've got two boys who their dad played, and he was the greatest player I've like the most magical player I've ever seen. He was incredible. The things he could do with a ball, like. He, they marketed a ball in the 90s called the Dacos ball because it taught you how to kick the ball in ways that people had never kicked it before. And he would kick amazing goals. Anyway, his two sons now play for us. And one of them is his first year this year and he's going to win rookie of the year, like by an absolute mile. He's so fucking brilliant. What a competitive advantage. I, I think it's it, cool. It's just such a foreign concept to me and no pun intended there. It's just yeah, like. But it is cool. And it's like it. It's nice because, like, I, I, I saw, like, well, one of them, I Peter Dacos, I saw him play when I was a little girl and I used to tell people he was my dad because I wanted him to be my dad. And now his two sons play and, like, Gavin Brown was my favourite player in the 90s and his two sons play and, and his daughter plays for Collingwood too. It's so good. Like, That's it's, how you connect generations. It's yeah, it's so good college football wishes they had that they had the rights <laughs> they buy the rights to your child <laughs> they yeah. you you play a certain number of games have a certain number of success they own the rights to your child instead of the parent having to like pretend like that you they don't care which college you go to and just investing in the lore i find that super fascinating that yeah like just- this kid that's going to win the rookie of the year he didn't like support collingwood as a kid Somehow he managed to support our, that most hated of rivals. But when it came to him playing, <laughs> there was only one option. Yeah, you're like, tough it was, shit. It was, it was like, no, this is your blood. You play here. This and, is like, your he would, blood. He would, we are. He would, he would not have wanted to play anywhere, anywhere other than with his brother, I'm sure. But it's beautiful. But, like, maybe giving him the option to do that, like, he could have. He didn't have to play with his brother if he didn't want to. I don't know. It's it's just different. I, I know. I, I think they, I think they have an option. I think I think that they. I don't think they have to. But I don't um, think anyone's ever not wanted to. Because mm-hmm. it's such a special tradition, and it means a lot for like families. Like certain family names are synonymous with certain clubs, and. It would just be wrong to see them wear another jumper. I understand. I get it. I, <laughs> no one's ever wanted to not play for the same team that their parent played for. I, I seems like it's possible. So it's a mm. pride thing. It's an honor thing. There's no like when you have alternative options, people do choose to not go to the same places that their parents went to. Yeah. No, not really. <laughs> You're saying that the the man. I don't think I. I don't think I've ever. Oh like no, 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 absolutely. But in our, I, I don't think I can ever recall anyone who's been like, I don't want to play in our like our sport that hasn't wanted to go down that father son route. That's interesting. Uh, they, I wonder what would happen if someone did. And you uh, know what? It it probably gives them. It gives players who may have been on the cusp of being drafted or may not have been drafted, it gives them a little bit of a leg up and that they probably will get looked after because of who they are, because of their name, and gives them a little bit more of an opportunity. 
nepotism let's go mm. nepotism all the way for the win well, at least like a foot in the door and then they have to earn it and if they don't then we get rid of them and yeah like that's we, what that's what and that is. happens that happens all the time but yeah yeah, yeah and like now they've started the now they've started an academy like at, at my club i know they have an academy where they like develop these kids before they even get to the age of being drafted so every year, like, they just check on their progress and have them come in and train and blah, 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 and, yeah, just, just keep just checking in stock. on you. Yep. We know you, we, we already own your rights, 11-year-old child. Let's just let's just check in on you, see how it's going. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Exactly just, right. Just make sure, just, you know, make sure because, you know, you're, you're going to, you might play for us if we invest in your ability, then... You know, we're going to we already have you guaranteed to play for our team. I think that's why like international soccer teams do like academies and stuff like that. Or why now like baseball teams go to countries in Latin America and South America and start building academies in those countries. I think that's kind of like part of the the intrigue is like getting people in at a younger age and securing rights and stuff like that. Yeah, I, I understand why you would. But obviously there's a lot of hit and miss when you're getting children and you don't know whether they're going to develop into whatever it is you want. Of course. <laughs> and there is no perfect system for figuring that out. In America, we've just decided to tie it to education for some weird reason. We've just decided your 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 high schools and your public universities are going to be the ones who are charged with developing athletes. It's just as weird of a system as these uh, as international soccer, international baseball, and now apparently least, Australian rules football. At least it means that you've got people with somewhat of an IQ. Like the dumbest people in our country play football. Like they are idiots. <laughs> okay, so Australia is just sitting in that, that like nineteen fifties America in terms that's of because the they don't space. they don't do oh, well. They're not forced to do higher education because they finish like high school at 18 and go straight into the AFL from there. And then they're encouraged to do like part-time university on the side to give them something to do because otherwise they play up and misbehave and gamble and do bad things because they've got all this money and all this time. Okay, so yeah, you guys are in like 1960s, 70s American sport, like the earliest, earliest days of American sport. That's That's what I'm seeing is that it's based on once you turn 18, you're you're pushed into the pipeline and you're given money and not the necessary resources to protect you and like inform you about what are good decision making and and, you know, actually investing in education and oh, stuff no, like that. Excuse me. No, now they are. They never used to be. Though. <laughs> now, now they're absolutely like they're given pretty much like an allowance and the club sort pays their bills and sorts everything else out for them, and then they're given an allowance because they, at that age, they are children. They got no friggin' idea. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I know what you mean. The, the system's usually, getting. Better. And usually, they live with like senior players to start with. Like, so okay, so Australia is trying things different than they do in America. I think that's cool. That so they give them like a kind of a this is what you should be aiming to be this kind of person. So they mm-hmm. like pair him up with a, a family man or like somebody who's got his head screwed on and has his shit together and isn't going to lead them astray. 
Okay, so <laughs> they're doing a Jedi situation like in Star Wars. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I see what you mean. Like a Someone, buddy system. Yeah, like a buddy system and given an allowance and, you know, they're testing the waters when you're a child, which there is one American sports league that does that now. It's the NBA. They do that with the summer league where for the summer league, you get a, I think it's like a $42,000 stipend or something like that. And they put it oh, in yeah, Las Vegas I heard about that. and they yeah. kind of figure out who's the person who wastes all $42,000 in a weekend and who's the person who doesn't. Mm. Like I'm, like I'm sure there would be. All of them would waste it all uh, to start with. Like, but Las Vegas is a dangerous place to have it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it is. It's temptation, but if you can survive Las Vegas, you can survive anywhere. That's right. If you could leave Las Vegas, that's why they call it Sin City. (laughs) Exactly, Las Vegas. If you can make it here, you can make it anywhere. I've only ever left Las Vegas with money one time, and like with like like with more money than I went there with, and it wasn't me; was my ex boyfriend. He Mm -hmm. on our last night, he went on an absolute heater playing craps to the point where like we had to leave to go to the airport and he was still playing and I'm like we have to go come on (laughs) but like he was winning so much that he's like I can't leave I'm like you have to leave now you idiot we're going to miss a flight anyway emotional binge for the win and you walked away with money I didn't give a shit if we walked away with money we were just going to miss a flight Mm -hmm. yeah and then we ended up needing it because the we were meant to fly. We were going to Atlanta that day to go and see Kanye and Jay-Z and then stay in Atlanta one night and then fly to Los Angeles and then Los Angeles home. And the airline that we were flying with um, had the airline grounded by the CEO due to, due to a dispute with the pilots' union. And so <sighs> all their flights were – and that's the airline that I worked with at the time. So we couldn't get home and there were no flight, no seats available to Australia every seat that was via like Fiji or New Zealand or Canada was like thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars. We ended up having to pay 800 bucks a seat to fly from Los Angeles to Bangkok. And then, and then we didn't have any tickets on from, from there, but I was on staff travel. I figured we, I'd sort it out later and we'd be fine. And so we paid that 800 bucks each, ran to the flight, got on the aircraft, whatever, started going, weren't seated together, had no idea how long the flight was, 16 hours. Fuck my life. I've never, I've never been so depressed in my life when there's sort of 16 hours. I hadn't had a cigarette because we'd been running around like it was the amazing race. I was so stressed. And then I was like, oh, I have to sit on this aircraft for 16 hours. It was hell. That does Absolute sound brutal. Hell. And then 16 hours and I'm in Bangkok, which is still 11 hours away from home on a direct flight, but we couldn't get one of them either. Had to go via Singapore and took like 44 hours to get home. It was the worst. So after all that, did you still walk away leaving Vegas with a positive cash flow? Yeah, because we didn't have to pay for the Bangkok, Singapore, Melbourne flights. Work paid for them because they put us in that position. 
Okay. Um, okay. But, but uh, yeah, that 44 hours was brutal. Yeah, I don't think I could do that. I don't I don't think I would want to do that. No, <laughs> no sightseeing trip for me would be worth 44 hours on a plane. I don't think mm-hmm. there's any amount of experience that would be worth that. Especially one that you didn't plan for or you didn't you weren't like, okay, this is part of this this is part of doing it. Like, nope, this was completely unaccounted for 44 hours. Like it's bad enough being a 14 and a half hour flight from Los Angeles. Yeah, that's already bad enough. <laughs> Going but, backwards yeah. around the world. Yeah, but oh, the the last time I flew over there, I flew from Sydney to Dallas. And I think that was close to 15 and a half hours. Um, that wasn't enjoyable either. Yeah, no, I assume that it's difficult for you to go from Australia to America and you're doing it not all the time, but like more often than most people would be doing it. So mm. it's just the cost of being someone who likes American sports and going to American cities and mm. uh, the cost yeah. of living down the bottom of the earth. But um, the last time when I flew home from Las Vegas or from Los Angeles, we flew Los Angeles to Brisbane, but in business class, and that was beautiful. Even though it was absolute hell getting on that flight too, because I have very bad luck when it comes to flying, and we missed our flight to Melbourne, ended up having to go to via Brisbane, but in business class, so I got to sleep the whole way, which was beautiful. Ah, that's nice. Mm. That's a nice so, little way to go about it. Very good. I have I have grown to be a sleeper on a plane, although the flight I take more often than not is only an hour long. So it's not a long nap, but I, I couldn't sleep on an hour long flight. By the time you get up, you have to come back down. But you don't have to you don't have to like sleep eight hours at a time, like sleep. Just do the Jamal Murray meditation thing. Just close your eyes and don't open them for 45 minutes for any reason. Hmm. No, I like to watch people on planes. I think people are weird when they travel, and I, I, I think that it's interesting to watch people because, like, some people really can't do it. Like, they really struggle. Everything's very difficult for them, and I like to watch people when they're at their worst. And they usually people are at their worst when they travel. Uh, that's going to be the title of the episode. Morgan from Australia likes watching people on planes. I like watching people anywhere. People watching is my favorite thing to do because they people are fucking weird. Okay, so what are some of the behaviors of people watching on planes that you find where people are at their worst? Oh, anytime there's like sudden movement or like a little bit of turbulence or a noise, I love to watch people's reactions to see who's terrified and who thinks they're going to die and... I like to watch people like when they recline their seats and the people around them's reactions. I love that. Love that very much. Okay. Especially so like li- on, a sh- on a short flight. I like because people get un- like irrationally mad. It's great to watch. Little inconveniences and anxieties seem to be mm-hmm. the thing that you like about finding human behavior. Mm-hmm. Who's perturbed when the bathroom line is too long? Mm-hmm. Or like... If, like, somebody gets up too often 
or want something from their overhead locker or I love I love watching the anger that comes from that somebody pushing past somebody in their seat. <laughs> just, great. just great. That's that sounds wonderful. That sounds just beautiful. Just somewhat or, or like the people with the screaming kid. Like I don't I don't like to watch the people with the screaming kid because I feel awful for them. Okay, I I have a I have a thought about the screaming kid. The people who like get angry at them, I like to watch them and be like, "What do you expect these people to do?" That's exactly what I always think about the screaming child. Like, obviously, I don't have children right now, but eventually, when I have children and they will be small children, then if they're screaming and crying in a restaurant or on an airplane or in a Target or something like that, what are you going to do? You could like get them to stop and enable the bad behavior or you just let them keep going and then they burn themselves out and then you just have to like have a rational as rational as you can talk with them like was that worth it does that feel better are you proud of what you did not passive aggressively just like you know let the child do whatever and just absorb whatever the shame is going to be because most people give in out of shame like most parents are like here you can have this or or be quiet or you know some people mm-hmm. are like mean scalding their kids and like you better shut up right now uh about out of embarrassment and i feel like if you can withstand the embarrassment it's not that bad the child will just have bad behavior you'll let it play out and then you can move on mm. but like i've i've been on flights where there's been like screaming children and i've watched a mother a poor I've, this mother, she was doing everything she could and there was just no helping the situation. Her child just was going to scream for hours and the father did nothing. Like most of the time he slept and she was like up trying to like walk up and backward back with the child and trying to distract him and trying to make him, nothing would make this kid happy. I don't know, maybe he couldn't pop its ears and he couldn't communicate that so it was in pain. Like we didn't know. Like... <laughs> whatever but this kid was struggling the mum was struggling and everyone around was just staring i just thought you guys are fucking monsters <laughs> this woman's having a bad day and it was a flight to hawaii and and then they got off the flight to hawaii and were connecting to another island and i just thought oh lady you poor bitch you just want you just want to get away from these kids <laughs> looks like Looks like that husband is a dick. That's that's my takeaway from dick. all of this. He was a massive dick. That was the one thing I thought, you know what? I forgive you for your, your poorly behaved children because your husband's an asshole. So which is worse if you're... I think at that point, you just got to start contemplating your life decisions at that point. Absolutely. What has led you to this place? Why have you not gone on holiday alone? Because <laughs> <laughs> I watch parents and I think... This, this doesn't seem like much of a holiday for you, and like no, kids don't. But, and kids don't deserve holidays because they don't appreciate it the way that they should. Like people work damn hard to be able to pay for these things, and kids don't appreciate it. They take it for granted. So fuck it. I wouldn't take my kids. No way. Well, jerks. you're you're anti kid. This no, is no, like I'm 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 I would love to have children, but at the same time, I know that. As a child, there's no way I deserve to go to Disneyland twice before I was 10, having lived where I live. Like, my parents would have paid whatever amount of money for that. No way did I deserve that. 
But that's because capitalism has shamed your parents into thinking that they're bad people if they don't take you to Disneyland as a child. That's because my my mom cried on It's a Small World. I cried on Space Mountain. There's a great photo of my brother and I when we were like three and two, just like because they take the photo when you're going around the corner. Mm-hmm. It's just both of us hysterically crying. And for some my, reason, my, our dad my brother that cried photo. in the my brother cried in the line for Space Mountain for three hours because he didn't want to go on it. And we got off that ride, and he wanted to go again. And my mum just looked at him and said, "You're going nowhere." <laughs> and, and she was right in life too. But he, like, he cried the whole time. Like, loves rides now, but at the time, little bitch. See, but like you said, the chi- the children don't know how to appreciate it yet. This is part of the growing process of learning to appreciate things, and capitalism will help with that a little bit by putting your parents out a thousand dollars for taking you to Disneyland. I was little and I wanted to go on all the rides, but I wasn't tall enough. And this sooky little idiot cried all the time. <laughs> Nothing yeah, changed. I mean, Nothing has changed. Oh, but he was at Saints Row like, Farm this week, so I'm super jealous because he's, he's in America at the moment. Oh, that's rad. That's mm-hmm. rad. I, I love <laughs> I loved Knott's Berry Farm. It's cool. That's in uh, San Diego. Yeah, Yay. We love that. Yep. Love that I love him. San Diego over here. It's one of the four things everyone's got to go to when you go to San Diego. It's it's that, it's, it's the zoo, it's SeaWorld, and it's Legoland. I say I would never go to SeaWorld. Yeah, we 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 know SeaWorld's a no-no, definitely for you. No. We I accidentally got off the bus at SeaWorld in Orlando because my mom and I are stupid. We thought we were at <laughs> we thought we were at Universal, but we weren't. We we're at SeaWorld. And then I'm like, Mum, I don't. Doesn't matter. We can't go here. We have to get out of here. We can't go here. We can't even be seen in the car park. She's like, you're an idiot. I'm like, I've seen Blackfish. We're not staying here. Let's go. <laughs> <laughs> so then we had to get like a a public bus from there to Universal, which wasn't close. <laughs> one of the rare. One well, of because the rare we got off the bus, the took the like shuttle bus at the wrong place because it's stupid. Didn't See, what's happening the, now? The SeaWorld the, signage. What's happening now is a combination between the Chris Cody and Jessica Smetana points here, which is like Chris Cody is like taking a vacation once you have kids, not really a vacation combined with just kids are generally ungrateful. And I think that all of these stories are confirming both of them to be true at the same time. Yeah. Except when I made my mum get off the bus at the wrong place, I was an adult. (laughs) I was 28 years old. No, I was probably 31. (laughs) 